we're in Genesis, and we're uh, dealing, we're looking at uh, chapter 27, and in uh, uh, chapter 25, we have a little bit of a prelude that I want to lead you through uh, before we get into uh, 27. And, uh, and there we meet uh, Jacob and Esau. And uh, as, we, as we look at the story there, starting in verse, verse uh, 21, uh, we see that, uh, that uh, Isaac uh, is praying to the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebekah, who is uh, barren, uh, like her mother-in-law. She, uh, she has not conceived. They have been praying for a miracle, and, uh, and uh, she, both she and Isaac are praying that God will give them a, a son, a child. And, uh, and uh, these, these two are um, uh, twins, and uh, they are, one is born uh, red and hairy, they didn't call him Harry. Uh, they call him Red. Uh, Esau. And one was a heel grabber. Or the heel. Uh, that's Jacob. And uh, somehow during birth, uh, Esau came out and Jacob followed and he grabbed the heel of Esau. And uh, that has some significance, I'm sure. But also in 25, you notice that uh, the Lord speaks to Rebekah. And uh, it says there, uh, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you <clears throat> will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, these two parents had favorites. Uh, Isaac liked Esau better than Jacob. Rebekah liked Jacob better than Esau. I don't know if uh, any of you are old enough here to remember the Smothers Brothers, way back when, and uh, their, their favorite jibe was what? Mama loved you better than me. And that's what we have here. We have this sort of competition. We have these two parents who are at odds with each other over their love for one child or the other. The third part of uh, the, the foundation that we find in chapter 25 is that uh, once when Jacob was cooking uh, some stew, Esau came in from the open country and he was famished and he says to Jacob, quick, give me some of that red lentil stew that you have made. I am starving. And uh, and Jacob gets it in his mind that he says, uh, you really uh, want this, don't you? 
You really want this. Well, I'll tell you what. Give me the birthright, and I'll give you the stew. Esau reasons, well, if I'm going to die of hunger, the birthright is not going to mean a whole lot to me, so give me the stew. And he fritters off, he barters off the birthright. He swore an oath, selling the birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some of the lentil stew, and uh, he ate and drank, and then he got up, the Bible says, and he left. And the Bible says that Esau despised the birthright. So we go to chapter 27. And there we have Isaac. He is um, feeling very old, which he should be, because he was old. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called Esau his elder son and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. And Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, prepare for me some venison, and uh, bring it, and I will give you a blessing. Now, Isaac was 137 years old when he called Esau in. Now, so when he says, I am old, he, he meant, I am old. And, and maybe what precipitates this is the fact that uh, his, uh, that Ishmael, 14 years older than him, was 137 years old when he died. And now, with his infirmities and the feelings that he has of weakness and all of that, makes Isaac feel that he really doesn't have very much time to give this blessing. I need it now. So prepare my favorite meal for me and come back and... Uh, I'll eat it, and I'll bless you. When Rebecca hears this, um, I don't know if she was in the other room or just holding on to the curtain between the two, to the, the true rooms, uh, just listening, she counters uh, the favoritism that Isaac has for Esau with her favoritism for Jacob. And she hatches a plan. And, um, you know, Esau had already sold his birthright. She had already received from the Lord uh, the message that the, that the older would serve the younger. Uh, this was, uh, in her mind, a no-brainer. Let's, let's do this thing before this old man makes a big mistake. And so... We have 
a deception plot that takes place. Jacob, under the choreography of his mother, bows to the plot to deceive father. Father is blind, but there's, there's, a, there's a problem. Uh, Esau is really hairy, and he's going to want to touch because part of the blessing is the touch. And, and uh, so the, the, the question arises, how, how is it that a father can't tell the difference between a sheepskin and his son's skin? I mean, they've got to be different. This guy's not a gorilla. And, and you, you, you wonder, um, what, what, is, what causes this to happen? Well, I've never found a real good explanation for it, but the guy is 137 years old, and... Uh, and his eyes are failing, and it's possible that his, his sense of touch is also affected. So Jacob comes in, and you know the story. He tries to make a, a very gruff and manly voice, and uh, he fails because uh, uh, Isaac says, are, are you, uh, who, who, who are you? And, and but... Isaac is so convinced that he needs to do this and that, and that it is his son and he has it so much in his heart that he is not willing to even trust his senses. And so Isaac eats the food that uh, Rebekah has prepared in the backyard. And he blesses Jacob. He says to Jacob, May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. Touch. Feelings of, of uh, connectedness. So you have meaningful touch, you have an affirmation that is there, there's high, uh, uh, you know, a, a very high regard for, uh, for that child and, and, uh, and there's a special future in it and everything that we'll talk about just uh, in a few minutes here in, in, this, in this message. But now... Now that Jacob has left and he has the blessing and uh, he gives his mother a high five and, and they've pulled it off, Esau arrives. And he receives the news that uh, his brother has been there before and his brother has received the blessing. 
he's distraught. He says to his father, do you have any one blessing, only one blessing? My father, bless me too, he says. Father, please. And then Esau wept, it says. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earthly, earth's riches, richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off of your neck. You will breathe free in time. What a tragic scene. Two brothers vying for the blessing of their father. So was, was, was Esau crying uh, because of the loss of his inheritance? He had already sold that off, so it, it couldn't be that. What, what he is crying over is that he wanted his father's blessing. Esau wasn't lamenting the fact that he had lost the cattle and sheep. He had already despised his gift. What ripped at his heart was something much more personal, his father's blessing. In the Old Testament, fathers blessed their children, and that blessing was a special, special event. For both Jacob and Esau, the receipt of their father's blessing was supremely important. The blessing itself helped to, to map out the desired destiny that resided in their father's heart for them. This was their father's vision of who they are and who they will be. You know, today, we give little attention to the true value of parental blessing. John Trent and Gary Smalley wrote a book some time ago called The Blessing. And it's, it's worth reading, parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents. And in it, uh, they, they show us from Genesis 27 five aspects of the blessing that we see in Genesis 27 that are meaningful and that need to be a part of parental love and guidance for our children and for our spouses. The, the first of these is meaningful and appropriate touch. The hand on the hand, the hand on the shoulder, the kiss on the cheek. The, uh, if you remember the, in the story of the prodigal son, the, the prodigal father <laughs> runs to his son. And uh, the King James Version says that he fell on his neck. And when I was a kid, I was wondering, wow, that must have been really tragic. Um, 
But, but what it means is that he kissed him on the neck, which is reserved for an equal. It, it's, it's reserved as a welcome to someone who is part of the family. So you have the touch, the, the appropriate, meaningful touch is, uh, is so important in the blessing. Um, you know, Isaac says, come near now and kiss me, my son. This incident was not an isolated one. Each time the blessing was given in the scriptures, a meaningful touch provided a caring background to the words that would be spoken. Hugging, laying on of hands were all part of bestowing the blessing. Meaningful touch has many beneficial benefits. The act of touch is the key to, uh, to communicating warmth and personal acceptance, affirmation, closeness, even physical health. Studies have been done of, uh, of all sorts of studies have been done that show that uh, communicating verbally from a distance is much different and comes across much differently and is much more healing than, uh, I'm sorry, that, that uh, touch when, when you are close and you are in touch, that there is healing and there's closeness and, and all of that. But when there's distant communication, that somehow that is broken out. Um, touch is an integral part of the blessing. The second aspect of the blessing that we find in Genesis 27 is spoken affirmation. It's, uh, it's, it expresses the desires of the heart. It expresses the, the uh, closeness and the value that this individual has for the Father. It is not a silent, he knows that I love him. It's not like, uh, like the husband whose wife is complaining that uh, he never says I love you, and, uh, and finally he gets, he gets all riled up and he says, woman, I told you I loved you when we got married. That hasn't changed. Silence hurts. Words of affirmation, words that express the importance of who that person is and the value that that person has is so important because it heals the heart. It gives a sense of belonging and uh, and it indicates that uh, that son, that daughter, that spouse is, uh, is worthy of this attention. The third part of this blessing that we see in Genesis 27 is the placing of high regard on the child. 
placing of high regard on that child. Uh, words must uh, attach high value to that person and that blessing of Jacob, uh, you know, thinking it was Esau. Isaac says, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. I mean, this is, this is <laughs> you know, uh, this is a, a high regard for that child. Uh, we often ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? But how about, how about telling children how amazing they are and, uh, and what potential they have for doing great things and, and giving them not only, you know, I remember as a kid, Everybody asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I got sick and tired of it. <laughs> Quite frankly, I would just say the first thing that entered my mind. I'll be a fireman. Now, that was the first one that I chose. I'll be a fireman. But I didn't have a, uh, an Irish accent, and I was from New York City, so I figured I probably wouldn't be. But this thinking highly and, uh, and having a high regard was a very important part of this blessing. As you have noticed, Isaac uses the word picture, the field, to describe how valuable his son is to him. Word pictures are a powerful way of communicating acceptance. And later we look at the use of these word pictures and learn how to use them. And, and in, just as we, as we look through uh, the entire Old Testament and, and the messages and the parables and the sermons that Jesus preaches about love, and the value of his children. The fourth element of what we see is uh, a, to picture a special future for the one uh, that you are blessing. And, and, this, and this picturing of a great future, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in New York City. And as a, as a kid, I would, ha I would be out in the park and I'd have these little old ladies uh, just uh, come up to me and they'd be talking to each other and they'd ruffle my hair and they would say things like, uh, such a nice boy, you'd think he was Jewish. But all of my friends were Jewish, and I would often, I would often go uh, to their Kabbalat Shabbat, their, their opening of the Sabbath. And, uh, and part of that, I, I envied. It wasn't just about the candles. It wasn't just about, about the, the chamotzi and, the, and, and you know, the prayers for the bread and the wine. Uh, it wasn't... It, it, what really touched me was that... Uh, these Jewish fathers would actually go over to their son who was 13 or 14 years old and, and place his hand on, on his son and say, you have the makings of a great leader, of a great man. 
I can see you functioning wonderfully and serving society as a lawyer or as a doctor. Just wishing the highest and the best possible outcome for the life of that young man. Oh, that we would value giving a blessing as much as Isaac valued giving his blessing. Oh, that we would value receiving the blessing as much as Jacob and Esau sought to receive the blessing. The fifth part of this is to make a commitment to make this special future happen. It is not just, I, I, I hope that this will happen to you. It is an investment of the parent in the future of that child. How can I help you succeed? How can I, this, this, this wonderful future that you have, how can it be possible if, if I can help you, I will commit myself to that? We study the two covenants today in Sabbath school. And, and as, as we think of, of that, that covenant in which God uh, approaches Abraham and he takes, he, he takes the effort to basically say, if, if I break this, may I be cut to pieces. If you break this, may you be cut to pieces. A covenant. And it is that covenant concept that accompanies the blessing. These five. Oh, what, how important that is. In, in John Trent's book, he has an illustration that I'd like to share with you, a, a, a true story. It's about Brian. Brian, of course, is a pseudonym. But uh, Brian grew up with a father who was in the military. He had been a Marine. He was proud of being a Marine, and he did everything he could to get Brian prepared to be an officer in the U.S. Marines. And uh, courses that he could take, uh, things that he did in, in high school, um, whatever uh, it took to, to get him to the point where he would succeed as a Marine. And sure enough, Brian, when he graduated from high school, he joined the Marines. But he was not totally invested in it. He balked at the orders that were given to him. We, he, he, uh, he disobeyed orders. He did all sorts of stuff that got him into trouble. And eventually, he wound up dishonorably discharged. His father went ballistic. His father forbade him to ever come to his home again distanced himself, would not speak to him at all. And over the years, this estrangement worked on his heart, and he, 
He longed to be accepted by his father. But nothing doing. And then one day, Brian received a message from his mother that his father was dying. Brian immediately bought a ticket, went halfway across the country, uh, got to the hospital, and, and his, his words were pleading, Father, Father, bless me. Say that you love me. And his father had just gone into a coma and could not respond. Emotionally devastated. He kept repeating, Please, say that you love me. Please. But his father could not respond. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let, let that happen to you and your children. Consider the fact that blessing our children, blessing our spouse, bless, blessing those who, who we have been an uncle to if we don't have children, is such an important part of not only mental health but spiritual health. Esau and Jacob's estrangement was eventually healed but the consequences lasted for centuries in the history of Israel. The basic act of blessing your child, your spouse, your loved ones can have an impact for eternity. Meaningful blessing. Meaningful touch. Spoken affirmation, high regard for the future of that child or that spouse, a special future envisioned, and finally, a personal commitment in helping that happen. Oh, what a message we get from Genesis chapter 27. May each of us be eager to find ways in which we can bless others around us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm grateful for your love and for your protection, for your guidance. I'm grateful for this time in which we can get into your word and in spite of the battles that are taking place here in, in Genesis 25 and Genesis 27 in the lives of Jacob and Esau and all of these, uh, uh, the hatred and the running away and everything that we see there, uh, help us to know that this is also a message for us. It is a message to remind us that to bless others is to bring life, health, a future, a desired end, a horizon toward which our children and future generations can walk knowing that they are supported, 
loved and commissioned to do great things. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.